Here we go. All right, listeners, it's Adrian Bowe here, and we're back with the Adrian Bowe podcast, and it's episode 83, uh, brought to you by Adrian Bowe Real Estate Training and Auction Services at adrianbowe.com, and today I'm absolutely delighted uh, to bring to you the director of Ray White Up and Offshore, and also part of the Chairman's Elite Club, uh, Mr. David Walker. How are you doing, buddy? Really well, thank you, mate. Thanks for having me on. Ah, pleasure. No, I was just saying before that I'm pretty selfish with a lot of these podcasts because um, I, I usually uh, pick people that I, I'd love to catch up with and, and learn more about. And, uh, and we just get, you know, over a thousand downloads a week uh, and people just chime in on the conversation, you know. So um, a lot of people, obviously, I'm, I'm very familiar with that I catch up with. But you and I were just chatting before we went live about how we've crossed paths many times, but never actually had an opportunity to sit down and, and have a decent chat. So today will be the first of, of many we hope yeah absolutely i've been looking forward to it excellent mate so just um to kick off with um dave how, how long have you been in in real estate altogether <clears throat> so i got into real estate 18 years ago but i had sort of i've had two two careers in real estate so <clears throat> when i first got in as, as an 18 year old um i was uh, working down in the northern beaches and about four years into that, and I was working in another group um, and was the, the young achiever of the year of that group um, back at that time. Um, but one of my vendors actually um, was moving up to the Gold Coast and he was a stockbroker and offered me big money to go and work up at, in, in the Gold Coast as a stockbroker. So as a 22-year-old, I, um, I got my PS146 stockbroker's licence and moved up to the Gold Coast and was selling stocks. So that was a bit of a change, change of career, but um, something I did for about 12 months, but I realised that that wasn't my passion and I couldn't sit in front of a, a computer screen all day. So um, went came back into real estate on the up and shore. Interesting, interesting. Um, and what, what was that like, that 12-month period? And what, what year was that? Was that in the 90s or...? Um, no, that would have been, what was it? So... 2006 2007 yeah so um so a lot of it a lot of it very much computer generated because not not a lot of people know that when I first left school my very first job was with Rene Rivkin who was quite quite a prolific stock back 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 in the late 80s and uh but but there was no such thing as um uh you know bids over the computer and everything it was there was what what used to be known as chalkies and they'd sort of write up all the the bids yeah. on and so i'd be a what well, oh, it's called a runner so you'd wear a suit and sand shoes because you'd have to run from the 20th floor all the way down to the stock exchange and then go and get them coffees and cigarettes and what god knows what else uh, yeah. so that was that was an interesting uh introduction post post school but yours your your experience would have been contrastly very different you know given technology it was white shoes <clears throat> living on the gold coast gold gold coast lifestyle yeah. what i actually did learn up there is it was it was a really good opportunity to work out how how tight relationships um worked and so the person i worked for just was out in his sphere of influence and the um the relationships were built and the trust was built around his relationships um, so he was sort of typical kind of stockbroking out to lunches, out to dinners. Um, there wasn't a lot of stockbroking going on, but it was all the relationships. So when the stockbroking happened, um, the trades were just done. So I learned a lot about building the relationships and how they built relationships, probably a bit different in our market up here, but, um, but I've just, it sort of highlighted to me how relationships were really important to sort of breed trust. That, that's a really uh, interesting insight that you made there because it was almost like the transaction side of things was secondary, but it was all about trust and rapport. And it sounds like whoever this, this individual was mastered the art of um, trust, rapport relationships and was, was uncontested or unquestioned when it came to actually doing the transaction. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Very good metaphor for us in, in, in real estate, isn't it? 
um, Dave, you know, when you think about it, like, you know, everyone can, you know, pitch for a listing and whether it's Ray White or Century 21 or McGrath or whatever and say we've got the best website, the best, you know, database, the best technology. But ultimately, ultimately, there's a reason that, you know, all those big brands still get beaten by independents at listings uh, because not that the independents have an have a, have a inferior product, but let's say, for argument's sake, they may not have as much resource. They've, they, they've just connected better with that individual, right? Oh, yeah. I'm a big believer that the, the vendor chooses the agent, not the brand. I think the brand is a very good tool to help you get in front of more people. Um, and it gives a sense of security. And people know if somebody knows a brand, they're going to feel more comfortable in the brand that's unknown. <clears throat> so the brand sort of opens the door, but it's the agent that closes it. And um, and if the if you if you've got a very very good brand with a bad agent, you're not going to have a connection. If you've got um, a bad brand with a good agent, probably again no connection. But if you've got a good brand with a good agent, then that's the sort of the perfect chemistry to, to be a good real estate agent. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. It, it sounds like you had a bit of fun up there at the Gold Coast. It sounds like you got the Gold Coast version of Jordan Belfort there. <laughs> <laughs> little bit like that but after sort of six to 12 months of of um of burning the candle at both ends it was yeah. it was really, um not my cup of tea so came back to the leafy north shore got it probably not an appropriate conversation over a podcast i'd say <laughs> maybe maybe over a couple of cold ones one one <laughs> night you know um so given that you you had two starts at it um what 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 did you do when you first left school though was was re- that real estate first vignette of your career that or was there something else prior to that oh no that was straight so i i um, I was penciled in to go to do um property economics at uts Um, i was going to have a year off and um and i actually fell into real estate because one of my friends um he was about to get into real estate and was selling his nursery down in the northern beaches and so over the christmas period after the hsc he said come down and help me sell out all the stock where they had Warringah Mall, a space at Warringah Mall. And anyway, he and I had competitions on who could sell the most plants and Christmas gifts at his nursery. And um, and he said, you've got a knack for sales. Why don't you come and get it, you know, from your year off, come and get a job in real estate. And so I went... Um, I went and had a had an interview because I thought, oh, I'd, I'd always loved real estate. I'd been through open homes. My mum dragged me through open homes as a kid and mm-hmm. I, I loved you know, love real estate as most people do. But um, when I had an interview and the, the youngest person that the principal at the time, an old school principal had ever employed was 30 and he had a policy, he wouldn't employ anyone under 30. So he um, sat, sat in front of me and said, sell me this pen. And I said, um, and so the first question I asked him was, well, are you in the market to buy a pen? And he <laughs> said, very good question. Anyway, he gave me the job and the rest is history. Wow. Well, that was, that, that, that's, um, that's another uh, Jordan Belfort Freudian slip there. So yeah. um, there you go. Um, and obviously now, you know, you made the transition from Northern Beaches to Upper North Shore, which is not too, too dramatic geographically. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but how long have you been the director of, of, of Ray White? Um, so I've been a director now for six years. Um, so I guess I probably had a secondary uh, career in real estate, which was when I got back into real estate on the Upper North Shore, I was in a partnership with another agent. um, And we kind of, from the age of, say, 22 to to 26, 27, we worked pretty well together, um, did some decent numbers. We were sort of always in the top 10 um, of, you know, Ray White, New South Wales, um, never really set the world on fire, um, but I wasn't that motivated because I was a mid 20 something and, you know, didn't really have my head together and didn't really know what I wanted in the world. And then, um, and then i met my uh, beautiful wife when I was 28 years old. And at that point uh, we were in New York on our honeymoon. And I kind of, at that point said, no, I want something bigger and better in life. And, um, and I still remember it was sort of like a, an, um, a light bulb moment for me. And I just thought I'm not going to play a secondary game. I want to kind of go big and, and I want to do the best that I could possibly do. And, and that for me was the moment in my life that I chose that I wasn't going to set, settle for mediocrity. And, and from there on, I, um, I've always strived to kind of be the best and get the best out of myself. Okay. And how, how did it evolve into that transition from, from agent to principal or business owner? Um, so 
I've got good people around me. So um, it was my my principal at the time. He agreed to kind of go into partnership with me to open a, an office in Warunga. Um, and we were going into a marketplace that, you know, was dominated by one particular agency. They had 42% market share and we had 2%. So it was, but it was also a very lucrative market. Um, and then, so we, we did that. And then um, he, then my current business partner, Greg, he got into partnership with the two of us um, when we opened, well, we, we took over the Taramara office and then my principal, he got out of, out of the real estate game. So currently, you know, my current business partner, Greg, um, and I, we've now got uh, Wurunga, Taramara, St Ives, Roseville and Hornsby. So we've got the five, five businesses along the whole North Shore. Yeah. And, and that's come about over a six-year period, the five, five office locations? Yeah, it has. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and looking back now, do you feel that, and you can be honest, like do you feel that it's, it's necessary to have an office in all those locations in order to capture a sensible amount of market share? Um, yeah, look, the, the, no, I think some areas it is and some areas it's not. The North Shore... It's sort of a, a strange market in the fact that the Roseville market doesn't really speak to the Warunga market. Um, uh, we, the Taramara market does speak to the Warunga market, but just physically Warunga is probably the most expensive per square metre um, rate for rents in, in the whole of Sydney. So you just couldn't house ev- everyone in the Warunga um, office because it's just not big enough. Um, St Ives, again, is a market that if you don't have an office there, you probably... Uh, not going to be seen as a as a viable choice. A lot of businesses have tried to sort of um, run listings from St Ives without an office and haven't really gotten anywhere. So um, I do think it's ne- like necessary. I think just having a presence there, I think it's good for the agents within that market to feel like they've got an office there. Um, so we we made the call to do it. We're not necessarily got the the biggest offices or the you know the best location offices, but they're all very good and. Um, they give our agents a, a very, very good opportunity to to be the you know the winners of listings. Okay, and um, in terms of you know being able to scale and leverage, have you got a lot of shared resources amongst those offices? We we do it all from a centralised system. Got so it. we got- yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah, because that would be in a very expensive operation to have um, to have five offices with five different business units and individual resources, et cetera. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, so we, we've sort of made the call to have a centralised system and have the offices around that centralised um, system. Okay, very good. Now tell me, Dave, yourself and your business partner, are you both selling principles? Uh, I am. Greg's not. Greg sort of runs the business. Excellent, excellent. That's a very good model, by the way. Uh, yes. I think that, that that's essential. Um, so uh, what percentage of your time is cannibalised in just even high-level oversight operations of, of, of being a business owner? Oh, probably. I'd, I'd say it's, it's close to 50-50. Um, I, I do spend a lot of time thinking about how we can grow the business, how agents can grow their businesses, um, how they can get more listings. I do a lot of listings with agents within the business. So, mm-hmm. um, if you count that sort of stuff as working on the business where you're helping other agents within the business get listings, then that's where a lot of my time spent. But um, it's probably more Greg's sort of very good running the day-to-day side of things and overseeing rent roll and, um, and things like that. Whereas I'm kind of working on how do we build the sales team? How do we grow it? Are there any potential people we want within the business? That's the sort of stuff I look at. So in terms of your sales roster or your sales agents, um, you'd be responsible, Dave, for retention and recruitment? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. And what's our sales roster look like amongst the five offices? Let's just talk about listing agents at this stage and then we'll talk about EBUs. Yeah, so we've got um, 14 agents within our business Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we, we, we... right good business so we've made 67 sales last month mm-hmm. um, so it's a you know currently the number one ray white business within australia so it, it does a good bit you know good turnover um every agent we're trying to get to build their own ebu so out of the agents within the business i'd say 80 percent of them have at least one staff a lot of them now have two 
Um, so they're all sort of seeing it very differently from just being individual agents to being their own business within the business. That's a very high number, Dave, that 80% of, you know, so you're saying really, you know, um, probably 11 out of the 14 have at least one team member. Yeah, well, we, we made the call very early on, and this is probably, although we've grown quickly, we, um, at the very beginning when we started our growth journey, the first two years, we, we made the call to sort of focus inwardly rather than try and go and recruit. I think I find it funny that a lot of business owners go and try and convince agents to go and work for them when the current people within their own business aren't any good. Um, because they're just wanting to try and replace bad agents with a decent agent, but a decent agent isn't going to be um, attracted to a business like that. So we really focused on building the people within our own business and got them doing the right things and writing some big numbers and then could explain to people coming into the business that we had a model that worked to get those people writing good business. So we attracted then people from other businesses, which then attracted even other people from other businesses but we, we don't just take anyone on and we don't just put bums on seats. So we would rather have $15 million agents than have $30,000, $500,000 agents, whereas a lot of principals have the idea of you don't want agents writing too much money because then they get too big for their boat boots and they might leave, whereas I'm a big believer that you want a, you want a, you know, a high-level, um, high-performing team, you know, not, not just a lot of average agents that equate to a bigger number. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I've, as you know, I've, I've sort of grown a lot of businesses and, and, and you know, we've, you and I have probably both made the mistakes um, and you've got the benefit of hindsight now. And, and let's face it, the only way to grow your sales business is either make your incumbent agents more productive or to recruit new agents. But I've got to tell you that the, the, the former I had a lot more success with than, yep. than the latter. Um, because with the former, what you do is you identify an agent who's doing four sales a month, but capable of doing a hell of a lot more, but is just focusing on a lot of non-dollar productive activities. Then suddenly you plug in one or two usually agent funded team members um, and then they go from four to 11 sales a month yeah. um, where the latter strategy is you, 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 you hire an agent who hasn't got momentum, hasn't got a database, hasn't got a marketing budget and you put a lot of time, energy, effort, resource into them and hope and pray they're going to sell one property a month, you know? Yep. Um, look, everyone's got to start somewhere. I get that. But I would rather the associate agent of our momentum agent be our breeding ground for our next standalone agent. And I'm sure that's what your, your uh, strategy is at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think if you do that well as well, you will then attract better agents. So... Yeah. Um, it's just, I think a lot of average agencies just think, oh, I'm going to go and recruit somebody by offering them a big com or a big split or some equity in the business. And I don't think the people that you want to attract are the ones that would be um, influenced by that. I think a lot of people that came into our business have been attracted by the culture, by the quality of the people within the business. Um, we've got a no dickheads policy that we're open about that. So, we, we, you know, we won't take on people, even if they're writing big numbers, there are people within our within our area. I just wouldn't take on, even if they're writing two million bucks a, a year, because they're not the type of people I want to take on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree, mate. I've uh, I've certainly adopted that mentality many a times. Made a couple of mistakes, but yeah, in, yeah. in the in the main, in the main, you know, done pretty well. I'm sure. I'm sure you have as well. You know. Yeah. So, interesting. Hey, um, Dave, the 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 fourteen agency you've got and the ones that do have team members, um, tell me how many of them would have more than one team member? Oh, I'd have to think about it. But would, I would say we're just in the, in the process. Like I, I know that we've just had two, two new people start this week, um, yep. but I would say most of them. There's, there's not too yeah. many. Anyone that's only got one is, is looking to recruit a second. So Outstanding. It, of I'm going to have a team member next to me knows the benefits of having a second yeah um, knows the benefits of having a third if you get to that point so That's I think it, it, it's if you've got the right structure in place I think it helps a lot with your headspace so yeah uh, I think once you've taken somebody on you realize that it's just a matter of plugging more people in to help you grow your business that's outstanding and tell me um 
if I was an agent in your office and I was to put on my first team member, yep. um, do you advocate and coach that it should be an admin, it should be an associate agent, or it should be a hybrid role? So we, we provide all the admin within the business. So the business provides that admin. Um, so so the, the people who come on, I believe, is an associate role. They should be your, your hunters. They should be the ones out putting you in front of people. Um, I think the, the hybrid role I actually think is flawed. The people that are hunters aren't necessarily gatherers. So I think if you try and put somebody into an admin slash prospecting role, you're going to get the wrong person because it's very, very, very rare to get somebody who is good at admin and good at prospecting. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So when you say you provide the admin, what I'm assuming there, Dave, which, which, you know, people have heard me on previous episodes say that that is the right approach. And that's the reason why a lot of uh, businesses lose agents is because mm. they don't, don't provide that. So kudos to you um, for doing that. I, I'm really, really happy to hear that because that's that's part of what I advocate and what I coach, that all business owners should provide that. So what I'm assuming you provide is the list to launch process and the exchange to settlement process. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's including, um, you know, coordinating uh, marketing to get it, to get online. Everything. Then, yeah. Good. So there are a couple of things though, which, which I call out of office, non-dollar productive activities, including pest building, pre-settlements, post-sale valuations. I'm assuming the associate agent. That's that. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Good. That's perfect. That's exactly what it should be. And look, if I was coaching people six, seven years ago, I used to uh, be convinced that your first step should be admin so you can just focus on dollar productivity. But that was when a lot of businesses weren't providing admin. Yeah. Um, so I'm, now my coaching is absolutely consistent with yours, Dave, uh, because anyone that's not providing that is just, is, is, is just going backwards. And, and then you hear how these business owners or so-called disruptors are, you know, seducing agents with high commission splits. That's, that's great. But that means you've got to pace an admin assistant 75 to 85 grand a year because that's what they cost, right, yeah. um, um, to run your team. And uh, it's like, well, 75% of what, you know? So there's plenty of good examples, and including you, where, you know, you'd still be paying a sensible split, but, 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 but certainly not, you know, a split that makes the business financially untenable. Um, yeah. and, and what's keeping them there is the support, the culture, the training, um, and, and, and you basically by leading in the field. Well, also, and I think people want to be surrounded by good performers, mm. um, good performers that <clears throat> are part of a team. Like it was as a business owner, one of, some of the proudest moments are going to our auctions and seeing seven or eight other agents from our business at the auctions. Mm. Um, there's, it's a, it actually is a team. Like everyone's got everyone else's back, whether it's a four o'clock auction on a Saturday. I know some people would rather be, you know, at home or in the pool, having a beer, whatever it is, mm. but people have got other people's back and they're all high performing agents. So that's what I think people want to be a part of because some of the agents we've got within our business that have come from big brands, you know, good brands as well that have just gone the diff there's a massive difference here that we've seen in the businesses they are in every agent stayed in their own lane didn't have anything to do with other agents within the business they hardly ever spoke you wouldn't even know what listings they came on until they came on the internet whereas in our business like it does become i know it sounds cliche but they become your friends your work family people that you see socially that, that that's what i think a business that we tried to create um does create so you know you hear there's people in our business that are going out for dinner on saturday night as friends because you know that's just the kind of environment we've tried to to, to create for everybody that's outstanding that's outstanding um you spoke just briefly before about equity as potentially being a carrot for recruitment um is that something that that you guys are open to a planning to consider down the track um is it necessary what are your thoughts um, yeah, like we're always open to it. We want good people as part of our business long term. Um, but I do also think that just because you're a good agent doesn't necessarily mean you you, you need to be a business owner. Um, 
you know, I enjoy being a business owner. But if you look at the, the road the last six years that it's taken to get to where we are, um, I, I probably could have made a hell of a lot more money if I'd have just focused on listing and selling and, and doing that. Um, because it does, it, it's not just the, it's not just the time, but it's the emotional energy and the stuff you think about when you're lying in bed at night. Um, 99% of that is, is around the business around, not around my listings and sales. So um, it, it's when you're in it, you're in it. And I think if somebody wants sort of to be in it, I'm, I don't believe in just giving someone 5% to just do nothing. I think people have got to be in it and contribute um, and impact people within the business and sort of make the business a better place. So I wouldn't just go and, you know, give somebody buy-in for 5 or 10% just to do what they were already doing. Mm-hmm. It, they'd have to be impacting and have to have their role within the business. Yeah, understood. It's an interesting um, uh, observation in terms of agents, you know, staying in their lane and, and performing at their highest and best use, which is to be a listing and selling agent. And you and I both know we've been doing it long enough and, you know, I've run plenty of businesses and, 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 and I still consult now to a lot of business owners who shouldn't be business owners, quite frankly. Um, and, um, you know, you, you, you speak with them and you peel back the onion layer and you realise that, their motivation to initially be a business owner um, was was t- to make more money, but then but then you find that actually, if they were an agent and remained an agent and got on a decent commission split, that they actually would have made more money doing that. Right? Yeah, and um, the thing the thing is, Adrian, most of the, be- the the better agents within a business are actually making more money than the, the principal or the business owner if correct. the business is just being a business owner and not listing and selling. So um, it's, if you actually, if people think I want to be a business owner to make more of a split, that's kind of, I think if you want to make, if it's all about the money, you're better off staying a salesperson, mm-hmm. but if you're doing it because you want to impact other people and you want to create a better, better environment or to have input into how you could do things better as a business, that's very different. Um, but it's, I think if you're motivated by money and, which, which obviously a lot of people are, which is fine, then you're actually probably better off being a salesperson. You probably will, will um, have a lot less stress um, and you can write more money and have more time with your family. Mm. 100% agree. Is it, is it possible, and be honest, that many of the agents developing into business owners, that there's hubris and ego involved? Absolutely. I remember as a, as a 28, 29-year-old, mm. I reckon looking it looking back on it, it was probably a lot of ego rather than actually, you know, wanting to it was probably you think oh, I could do it better or I you know, I, I want it this way or I want to be in control of it. That's I think it's a lot of it's ego. Mm-hmm. No, that's very very honest of you. And I think everyone at some point, um, that's part of their decision. And and that's not a, a dirty word, by the way. Uh, a lot of people are convinced that ego is a dirty word. There's actually a dark side to, to ego and there's a very light side. And that light side could be um, really a euphemism for ambition. And there's certainly nothing wrong with ambition. Um, so, no, that, that's great that you're honest in that, in that regard. Um, and what about you personally, Dave? You're a family man yourself? I am got two two boys and um, beautiful wife. So um, yeah, I've got a six year old and a, and a three year old. So they keep me keep me busy. Mm. And and tell me about your work life balance, if if that even exists, and and what do you do to try and keep on top of that? Oh look, I, I'm lucky enough to have a really really strong team. So within my own um, my own EBU. So. Um, the fact that I've got people who I know have my back and I've got theirs and we're all sharing a load. So um, over the last 12 months, we've sold a hundred properties, probably just over a hundred properties, but everyone's doing their own part. So if you have a good team around you, it makes things a lot easier. So I'm lucky enough to, you know, I left work yesterday at three o'clock cause it was my son's sixth, sixth birthday and he had some friends coming around Um I've just been in Byron Bay for a week over Easter with the family and did all the theme parks. And so that, that to me is the most important thing. And I know a lot of people say it, but don't actually go through with it. Um, But for me, family is number one. And I've got that policy within my own team and and our business that family comes before anything. 
Um, and so if you if you've got that sorted out and you sort of I'm not I'm not a person that's at work till till ten o'clock every night and in the office at seven in the morning. Um, I'm not a robot and can never can never be like that. So I prioritise family and and business is obviously I work bloody hard when I'm at work, um, but when I'm at home I'm at home as well. And I can I'm quite good at switching off from work, even though my phone's always going. I'm I'm switched off from work when I'm at home and I'm at home when I'm with the kids. I'm with the kids. Fantastic. And, and your immediate EBU, Dave, talk us through the job roles and the names of each person in your immediate EBU. So I've got two um, associates who their primary role is to go and find business. Um, and I'm sort of teaching them, um, coaching them into becoming their own agents at some point in time. And then I've got sort of, uh, a, I call her an executive assistant, Belinda, who is she's my right hand person she's on um, my listings with me if my vendors can't get me they call her so she's as much a part of the the process as I am Um, and then we've got Candice who her job um, is really she's a I employed her to do my marketing social media Um, she does a lot of prep for sales stuff Um, she also does a lot for the business as well so um, she's sort of a business tool that i I have access to. She works primarily for my team. What are your two associates' names? Sorry, Michael. Michael and the other one. Oh, that, that's is it. Michael and your EA, who are to your two associates. No, Michael and Chris. And Chris, uh, yep. And Linda then is my EA. Belinda and then Candice. Okay. So, in terms of how your listings work, because you, you're saying you're doing you're doing at least a hundred deals a year, right? Okay, so you list a property which has got nothing to do with Michael or Chris or anything else. Um, who do you appoint to help you service that listing? So that's that's Belinda. So Belinda's on. Um, if Michael or list uh, Michael or Chris find a listing, that's there. They're on the listing with me. Understood. So Belinda Deef is your default co-agent, if you like, in the yeah. event that it's a past client, referral. Uh, but if Michael or Chris unearth a lead through door knocking, cold calling, or even through your orphan database, whatever it might be, then they're their co-agent on that particular property. That's right, yeah. Now, what roles would they play as, as let's call them co-agents for each mm-hmm. listing? What, what, what are some of the, the, the tasks they would perform for that listing? So if somebody's um, on the listing with me, basically how it works is um, on a Monday, I do the callbacks to people we've flagged as interested or contract holders. They'll do other people. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who uh, rises as, a, as an interested party that wasn't flagged, they'll get me then to call them back. Um, I'll do the negotiating. I will speak to the vendors, have the discussions with vendors, vendor meetings, um, I'll go down and do listing, um, but Chris, Chris, Michael, if they're on a listing, they're, they're sort of learning, they're sort of sitting in the vendor meetings with me, sitting in the listings with me. Um, at Belinda's probably less likely to sit in a listing presentation or a vendor meeting. Um, but in, in saying that, there's, there's quite a few listings that she's running where she's almost like the primary agent. She's doing the vendor because they're, they're her clients, they're people that she knows um, and they see her as the agent, as me, as the secondary, even though it might be my name on the internet. Um, but she's sort of doing the, the vendor calls. I'll, I still uh, do a majority of all the, the, the calls to contract holders and interested parties and negotiating, negotiating and um, calls to get people to auction and anyone that might be a 50-50, they'll get me to give them a call. So I'm doing all the stuff that I would expect homeowners would want me to be doing. Correct. Team, own, team, team members are doing the other stuff. Brilliant, yeah. That's the perfect configuration and, and that's exactly consistent with my coaching, um, Dave. So really, really happy to hear that. It's not a coincidence that you're, you're smashing it. Um, so are there some standalone agents in your group that used to be Michael and Chris's? Yeah, yeah. So Anna um, used to be my associate, Anna Cavill. She is now chairman's elite. She'll, she, she'll do over one and a half GCI this year. And she's been a standalone agent now for about three and a half years. Mm-hmm. So she was my associate. Um, Tom, who was my, my associate at one point, he, um, he's a, 
about to hit the elite um, club. So he's got his own um, his own associate. So he's been working in the business for six years now, um, doing really, really well and had, a, had an absolute cracker of a quarter last month, uh, last quarter. So, yeah, there's a couple of them. Um, so it's, yeah, been good. There's, and then there's a lot of agents who have come in as single agents who have started to follow the model that we've sort of taught. We've got some agents who now, um, one in particular, Lisa Davies, who she was a, a PA at um, another, another company uh, about 18 months ago. And in her first full year um, with the right structure, she's hit chairman's elite. Fantastic. Yeah, so just for the non-Ray White people listening, um, Premier is 300 GCI, Elite is 600 GCI, Chairman's Elite is one and a quarter GCI during during a 12-month period. So um, I suspect they might have to change those tiers given the way the market's going, Dave. I think they might have to. There was, <laughs> we just had the Elite conference a few weeks ago and yeah. there was a lot of people there. Yeah, I'm always in, in contact with uh, head office, so I might have to... Uh, might have to let them know because so, those tiers have been in place for a little while now. Market's, hey, they, market's they, gone up dramatically. When the market wasn't great, the, uh, the, the conference is a little light on. Yeah, exactly. Um, great model. Great model. I love it. Um, is there some other non-equity standalone agents who have had associates progress to become standalone agents? Um, the business probably isn't as that mature yet. So that's what's exciting yeah. me is it's, we're still a really young business. So it was only um, four years ago that we, we took over Taramara. Um, it was two years ago that we opened St. Ives. Mm. Um, it's only a month ago that, that I took over the Hornsby business that my business partner had already was a business owner of and we opened Roseville in January. So mm-hmm. we're still a really new business. Um, and we've still, yeah, we've got a lot of, a lot of growth potential as well. Very exciting. Very exciting. I suppose the reason I asked that is, um, and, and, the, and obviously you're already actioned it, which is, you know, progressing associates to standalones is that there's a lot of principals and agents, Dave, who have got, very much a scarcity mentality and not an abundance mentality and think, oh, why would I train someone? And then they go out on their own, whether they're a business owner or not. Just be, And it's like, really? Um, yeah. I mean, the more, the more, like more signboards, more, more exposure. And the, you're probably going to conjunct with them anyway. I'm sure your old associates probably call you in and, and you do. Yeah. yeah so that, that's something that uh, ad nauseum, Dave, ad nauseum that I'm convincing agents and business owners is to adopt, you know, my attitude of abundance. And I've got an attitude of abundance about everything, you know, like I, yeah. I, coach, I coach competitors and, and none of them care because they know that I've, I, I remain fully confidential. Um, mate, I, I, I give a lot of content away for free. Um, I, I just think it's, the, it's, a, it's, it's a very unique industry and we've got a very unique opportunity in that, other industries call it medicine, law, whatever. Um, no one's given away any secrets. You know, real estate. It's like let's just talk about it and let's let's improve because my legacy will be two things. One is to improve the the standard of the industry, and secondly is to increase uh, men- mental health issues within the industry because they're epidemic. So I, I, I've said that many times, and that'll continue to be my my legacy. So I'm glad that you share that attitude of abundance because mate, it's, it's the only way that, that this industry needs to move forward. And it's not a coincidence that, that you're, you're doing very well, both in life and in business. Yeah. Look, it, I, I've been a big believer for a while because we, we see a lot of agents when an agent comes into the industry with huge potential, um, you can see them pretty quickly, but I'm a big believer that's roughly sort of zero to 500 if you want to, as an agent, that's all scripts and dialogues, skill levels, honing in on how you can say things better, do things better, present better, um, have your points of difference from your competitors better. That's zero to 500. 500, the, the move from 500 to a mil is very much structure, having the right people in place. Um, and then a million plus, I, in my opinion, is all headspace. 
if you get your headspace right at the million plus level, then your structure will in, will be better, will increase. You'll get you'll have that abundance mentality. You'll be looking at the glass half full rather than the glass half de- half empty. Um, you'll get excited to go to work because your headspace is in the right place. I think if you don't have your head you don't have your head switched in on, that's where you'll drop from doing one point two one year back to seven hundred and you know even four hundred. And how many? million dollar riders have we seen that have come in to the industry and then um, dropped out or uh, just because the headspace wasn't in the right place. So um, you you really have to make sure you're spending a lot of time keeping that head in the right place. If you, if you kind of want to write consistently good numbers. Totally agree. And anyone that's done any of my coaching, Dave, you know, and I've, I've said plenty of times that I've got a theory with real estate, you know, and this is my 50th year on the planet and my 33rd year in the industry. So I've, 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 I've sort of been around the block a couple of times. And my, my theory is that 20% of real estate is, is what I call acquired skills, like what you were saying, which is product knowledge negotiation skills. Um, 80% of it is innate skills which include headspace energy mindset discipline process and consistency mm. now those innate skills uh, it's it's i'm talking i'm talking nature versus nurture um so you either got it or you don't you know yeah and you yep. and i have seen plenty of people walk in with the gift of the gab and the brand new suit but the f- telephone is like kryptonite to them yeah. and they won't get on the phones mate they're not going to make it not yep. going to make it you know then you see the, 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 I call them the rough diamonds um, and, you know, they've got those innate skills which I've just spoken about and literally if you immerse yourself in, um, you know, teachings, whether it's online with my stuff, Tom's stuff, Josh's stuff, whatever, you know, in, in a week you could literally learn negotiation skills, dialogues and product knowledge, yep. you know. So, so yeah, it's, it's so true what, what you say. Um, I- I do think, Adrian, it's going to be a very interesting industry in 10 years because I, I, I get the sense that a lot of the younger people of the younger generation are scared to pick up and make a phone call. They can text, they can, mm. they can log, they can, you know, be on social media. But I think a lot of them will have a fear of a telephone because they haven't really picked up a telephone and called people. Mm. So communication will either have to change or that generation is going to have to learn that the telephone's their friend. There's no question. And, and, you know, you and I are telephone natives, meaning we were born into it. But a lot of millennials, they're not telephone natives. They're social media natives. Mm. Um, so you're 100% right. Does that mean the industry will evolve a little bit? I think yes. I think yes, because, you know, one of my clients, Josh Tesselon, you know, who, who you'd know about, who's in, in your group, um, you know, he's a big believer on using telephone, but just in a different method. So a lot of SMSs. But recently, I've uh, you know, in my coachings with him, I've said, look, mate, I really need you to make ten or twelve high quality phone calls a day, um, as an and strategy, not an or strategy. So don't stop what you're doing because it's bloody working. You know, and I don't know anyone else listing twenty one properties in a week, so um, it's working. But but let's let's introduce that as a second layer, and he's started doing that, and he's he's got a bit more penetration. Um, but. Yeah, it will evolve. Like we've got EDMs, we've obviously got newsletters, we've got SMS, we've got social, whatever. But I think the nucleus of our business, which is how this conversation started, Dave, between you and I, which was relationships, you know, and very difficult to establish trust and rapport without having some form of communication, um, you know, with with that person. Um, So, mate, as we start to wrap up, um, as I said to you before, I'm sitting here in the beautiful offices of... Highland property, and you, you were you were very generous to 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 revere this business, and who wouldn't? It's an incredible mm. business. I'm just about to uh, to coach the auctioneers here um, to do some auctioneer coaching, and um, so I'm, I couldn't be any further south from where you are. Um, yeah. And um, and look, and 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 Dave's another guy, mate, that shares shares you know our attitude of abundance, a very very mm. good human being, and a very good real estate practitioner as well. Um, so in terms of uh, your group, you're saying number one in Australia in the in Ray White Network? Yeah, currently, as it stands. So that's Finn, because you guys work, Ray, for those who don't know, Ray White works on settlements. Um, so is that is that sort of Finn year to date? Yeah, from July um, to 2020 to, to date. 
incredible. Is that number of sales or GCI? GCI. GCI. Do you mind giving us a ballpark? Uh, currently, as it stands, we're about close to 12. 12. Fantastic. And that's amongst the... Well, let's, it's five officers, but really it's 14 agents. So the roster is actually not that huge compared to the amount of officers you've got, you know. Yeah. Um, that's very um, um, admirable, mate. I, I really take my hat off to you to achieve that, that type of GCI. Cool. It's, a, it's amazing. Good for you. Um, and what, so what's next? What's next for, for the, the, the group? Um, it's, it's basically we're just focusing now on growing the people within our business to as much or as little as they want to do. Yeah. There's not the right two, $3 million a year. Some people just want a consistent business year in, year out and have time with their family and not, you know, not have to be um, aiming for the sky because um, people have just different differences of, of um, I guess, drives. So uh, the, our next thing is to bet in everyone that's there and get them up to where they want to be, get their teams running as efficiently as possible, and then really focusing on that sort of next tier that we talked about, associates, getting them up to um, a level that they want to get to and try and understand what their desires and their dreams are as well because I think a lot of people know what their agents' um, desires and dreams and goals are, but it's that next tier of agents or, or associates to work out what they want. Yep. That's terrific. And, and what does that look like in a practical sense if you just had to rattle off one or two, you know, objectives or initiatives that you could undertake to, to, to achieve that goal? Um, it, it's, it's sitting down with the agents and working out where we can add value, not, te- not trying to tell them what we think mm-hmm. they want to hear. Um, it's more working out what, what they're struggling with, what they would like help with, um, whether that is external coaching, internal coaching, trying to work out how we can add value as business owners. Mm. Well, you know where to go if it comes down to external coaching, don't you? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and talking about rough diamonds, and I tell this to him because I, I love him dearly and, and talk about someone who's got the innate qualities that I was talking about, Dom Maxwell. Yep, absolutely. Talk about, talk about headspace, energy, discipline, process, consistency, I'll tell you what. He's, you know, I had the pleasure, you know, of, of working with him and, and mentoring him in the early part of his career. But I tell you what, you know, the acquired skills, are, you know, that that's that he he could just devour that overnight. But those innate qualities, I tell you what, he's he's just got that much energy and 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 such the right mindset and attitude. It's just incredible. So well, well done for recruiting him and and taking him to the next level, which I know he he, he desperately needed. And yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so terrific, terrific outcome for both of you yeah no and just a great guy there's a reason that he uh he's my gym partner of the morning because the energy that our <laughs> at six o'clock in the morning is uh he's always on so it's sensational i love him i love him mate he's a great guy please pass on my regards i'm sure he'll listen to this and i hope he doesn't mind me calling him a, 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 a rough diamond but <laughs> I, I, th- I think he knows what i what i mean it's a term of endearment um so as we wrap up um um dave there's four questions i ask you and there and i don't provide these uh these questions in advance it's it's meant to provide a very instinctive answer um first one is do you have either a daily ritual or something that you do you know on a regular basis um for me it's trying to exercise every day Mm -hmm. um don't sort of try and try to say that i do every day but um as much as i can i love doing it when i'm doing it like the Mm -hmm. thought of that you know, five fifty is not great, but ten past six, and I'm I'm enjoying it. So mm-hmm. I always feel better when I'm fitter. So um, exercise for me is number one. Um, being there to put my boys to bed is number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's that's about it. Like every, the day, I always plan my day, my next day, the day before. So I don't turn up to work at eight thirty and go, oh, what am I doing today? I already mm-hmm. know that day because it's already planned. Yeah. Um, know that they know they can see my diary they book me in for things so my day is back to back pretty much every single day but I'm always doing something um, but I don't have any set routines or an ideal week when it comes to work but but without fail you put you, you put your, your kid to bed every night yeah yeah and obviously ugh, there's some nights that I can't because like tonight I've got a prezzo um, at six o'clock tonight but yeah. I'll say 90% of the time absolutely fantastic um, next one is either the best or one of the best decisions you've made during your career? 
Um, for me personally, it's just growing my team and standing back and looking, working out what I thought, what I, wor- I worked out what my weaknesses were. Um, and once I really had a, a long, hard look at myself and worked out what I didn't enjoy doing, mm. putting the right people in place to sort of, uh, to, to really help me with my weaknesses. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Next one is either the worst or bad decision you made in business? Um, I don't think I, I, I genuinely don't think I have because the things that I regret, I don't regret them happening. I might've regretted that we made the decisions, but like whether that's hiring the wrong people, whether it is, um, you know, not going harder for something or I, I don't regret them because you learn from them. So I don't really have any regrets. Okay. So that, so you just see them all as references for the next, for the next decision and the decision well, after that. Everything I've done to this point has got me sitting in front of you today. It's got me yeah. sitting in front of vendors today. So I, I've got to be grateful for that. Terrific. And the last one, which no uh, topic is off limit. You get to ask me a question, anything you like. Um, from an outsider looking in, how do you perceive our business? Good question. Um, I see it as a very hands-on, hands-on business. Um, and what I mean by that is, is, is you're leading by example um, and you're not leading from a dictatorial point of view. Um, I see you as an equal to your peers, not as a hierarchical, um, uh, um, someone who's, who's sort of ego driven by a director title. Um, I see it as some, a business that's on a rapid growth trajectory and the amount of offices has part to do with it, but also your, the depth, the depth of your sales roster. Um, um, you know, and, and, and the quality within that, within that roster itself of who you've actually got on board. Um, I see your retention rate very high. I see your recruitment rate low, but very high in quality. Okay. Um, and I, I see everyone within the business to be just really nice human beings, you know, where you can you look at a lot of other business and say there's a lot of cowboys, there's a few gorillas in there, um, but I think you've you've had the luxury of sort of standing back and adopting a, a, a slower growth trajectory, but a very clean growth trajectory. Does that mean your business is perfect? No. Um, you know, like any business, you know, it could probably do with more accountability. It could probably do with um, um, some more training um, and, and it could probably do with, um, you know, some, 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 some more, uh, you know, objective, probably objective um, influence. What I mean by that is every agent that works within any business can only hear from you so many times, you know, let's do that this way, let's do it that way. So, um, and whether it's me or someone else, I'm not certainly not, not a sales pitch for me, but I'm just saying, I think objective, um, a fresh set of eyes is, is in all the business work that I've done and that I've seen Josh do or whoever has always been a great benefit to, 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 to the business. So yeah, that's, that's my observation. Yeah. Great. Accurate. I think so. Absolutely. Good, good, good. Okay, buddy. Well, listen, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure um, talking to you and thanks so much for taking um, time out of your day. As I said, you know, I do this and I select people who have got an altruistic attitude towards the industry that want to give back and you certainly fit that category. So I really appreciate it. Listeners, we'll be back. Dave, thank you very much. Um, make sure to check out adrianbow.com, check out the academy, check out the online training, check out the coaching modules. It's all there for you. Plenty of great content. Dave, you take care, buddy. Thanks, mate. Cheers. See ya. Bye. Bye now.